Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I have a very special guest I'm sharing with you today, Marisa Corcoran. And I will share a little bit more about her in a moment, but I want to make sure that you are signed up to receive my resonance love letters. There are a lot of exciting things coming up in the coming weeks, and I want to make sure you are the first to hear about them. So sign up for those resonance love letters and you'll be on my newsletter. You'll get all that you need to hear about those as well as on Fridays, getting my deep dives into business, new paradigm business, astrology, and how that's impacting you and your work, and so much more. So are you ready to discover what to say and how to say it to magnetically attract your dream clients? Then you need Marisa Corcoran in your corner. In addition to writing the words that get landing pages converted at 60% or higher and crafting personality-filled emails, Marisa is the creator of the wildly popular Copy Chat Summit and helps coaches and creatives craft their uncopyable message inside her program, the Copy Confidence Society. Her framework has been featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and Voyage Atlanta. When not click-clacking on her laptop in the Atlanta sun, You can find this Harvard grad analyzing Real Housewives episodes like it's a government policy and consuming inappropriate amounts of nutrageous bars. So I had this opportunity to talk to Marisa about the importance of copy, which is really the center of your business. So she explains that. She also talks about her journey from originally being an actor, becoming a copywriter, And I actually am a graduate of the Copy Confidence Society, which I just mentioned. So she talks a little bit about that program and how it helps you succeed in business. Most important to my heart is that Marisa really is the kind of entrepreneur that I admire who builds giving back into the business model and really sees her business as a channel to really help people. So we talk about that and she gives some advice on that front. So I really hope you enjoy this interview and let's dive in. Hello, Marisa. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Paula. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and hang out with you. I feel like you're such a calming presence. And so I'm like, all right, I'm happy to talk to Paula for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to talk to you too. You've been such an inspiration for my business and my copy. So I, I just wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about that and Maybe what you can start by doing is just sharing a little bit of your story because it's so unique. Like you were an actor and now you're a copy genius. So how how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And I, and the further I get away from acting, I have to remind myself, oh yeah, that's right. That was my my whole life and like purpose at at some point. But I always joke and I say that Winnie the Pooh like broke me. Winnie the Pooh was the the end of me. So when I graduated from acting school, I got my MFA in acting from the American Repertory Theater at Harvard. Afterwards, I went back to New York. I had a manager, I had an agent, and I was auditioning. And when we moved to Atlanta, I was kind of trying to like establish myself here. And there was an audition for a big theater here for a children's show. And I'd always want... like Theater was always my favorite thing. And I was like, oh, if I could get into this theater, there's more opportunities and all this great stuff. So I was like, yeah. So I was supposed to audition for the character of Rabbit. And I worked so hard (laughs) on my inner work, my ideas for Rabbit. I had overalls, like how I thought he would act. I was going to make him like a cross between like Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. Like he's going to have this attitude. And I was ready. I was ready. (laughs) And that Monday came and I'll never forget. They called me. There was like a mix up with my equity status or whatever it was. The point was they did not need me to come in for the audition. And I'll never forget, I was standing in our kitchen. I just started taking off my overalls one by one. And I was just like naked in our kitchen. (laughs) I remember saying (laughs) to my husband, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I felt like my fate was... And this is the way it is for actors. You know, I wish I could go back and also just like remind myself that like, hey, I feel like I'm such a different person now, which is a whole other conversation. But 
at that time, I was like, I just felt like my fate was so tied to like someone else giving me permission or saying, oh, you're good enough to do this or to go this next step. And I just was feeling so stifled by that. And I remember just being like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with it. And I was lucky because I was writing for clients on the side. That was kind of my side gig at that point. And I was lucky I had a few retainer clients and I was paying, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was paying bills. And then I remember like a couple weeks after that, I woke up, I would, I'd always work at this coffee shop up the street. And I was kind of like, well, now what do I do? You know, the idea of like kind of being behind the scenes doesn't really sit well. I don't know, maybe you can tell me, Paul, being like a Leo <laughs> in my chart and going to school from like, what well, this is what I'm good, which is nothing. Like I love sitting in the coffee shop and working on stuff for my clients, but I didn't want to do that all day, every day. So I was like, well, what do I do now? And so that's when I had the idea where I thought, okay, what if I could take everything? And I was already doing this with my clients that I was kind of approaching like, what makes you a star on stage is the same thing that can show up in your copy and make people want to read you. And so mm-hmm. I was finding my clients loved when I would explain that to them. And I thought, well, okay, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe I could share this with people. So I kind of took what a lot of actors do, which I don't know why I didn't do this for acting, but like create your own work, like mm-hmm. do a, a, you know, a one person show or create, you know, something that people can come see you do. And we see this happen with a lot of people like uh, Issa Rae, Phoebe Waller-Bridges. The Fleabag was a one-woman show before it became the sensation that it is. And if you haven't seen it, just go watch that and you can come back. Because <laughs> it's like one of my absolute Season two of that show is like a chef's kiss. And I was like, okay, well, what if I could create like my kind of own event around copy, like this actor's guide to copy. And that's kind of how the copy chat was born, which combined me getting to have a lot more like agency over what I was doing, like choice, and still put me in the spotlight and allowed me to do really great work that I was really jazzed by, but kind of gave me all those things that I wanted from acting. Just so wild that all the things I wanted from acting actually happened, but through a completely different way. But if I didn't have my actor training, I know that that really helped me in being able Mm. to create the copy chat, show up, deal with reject, do all these things that that happen when you when you start a business that I kind of and I think I feel like I had a leg up because you, you know most of acting is just dealing with rejection and rejection. people saying no. <laughs> you know, so by yeah. the time I was here, I was like, okay, you know, I didn't have the same kind of attachment to it at first. I was like, well, this was my plan A, so this is plan B, but there could be no plan C. Mm-hmm. So I was just going for it. I think this is really helpful for people who are, you know, navigating a business and understanding that it evolves in these ways that sometimes you can't even predict. It really feels like you have created your own stage through your business. And that's what you encourage other people to do because I've been on the inside of your program. So it's really cool to me, you know, to think about how everyone's business is constantly evolving and, and, and how you make your bread, so to speak. The things you did before that seem like a non sequitur for what you're doing now, they have a relationship to that and they really help build that. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about this in the Copy Confidence Society, Paul, we call it your credibility star. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a bonus that we have in one of the first modules where we talk about this exact thing, things that you... I kind of have you create. I don't know if you ever read... I was such a big... like I used to love to read InStyle magazine. And they would have like the fashion you know, evolution of an actor. And it would be like, this is what they wore. And it would take them through like the years. And I kind of swipe that for the idea of like looking through this timeline of these moments of your former life or the things that you don't think that actually connect to your business so that you can create like bring in that credibility that you think doesn't connect. And that's what the credibility star is all about is helping you find these things that you don't think go together, which actually give you really help you stand out in your business by bringing more of that to the table. We actually just did this with somebody in the society this round who supports organizations to like write better, you know, when you're hiring, write better posts to hire people like for recruiters, like write better posts that people would be like, I want to go work here. This person had been a um, a slam poetry, like improv, like, like the moth, like they had this was like their background and they approach writing posts from this way to stand out, but didn't actually tell people that that's what they were doing. So actually creating like their lead magnet and these things that are around like this slam poetry guy to like writing posts that people like that actually a company that people are like, Oh my gosh, I want to work here. That small change that the person made, it was like, Oh, this is really, really cool. Now this is uncopyable. This stands out. There's no there's no one else who's doing it like this because you're bringing in that background that you didn't really think or couldn't figure out how it connects. Yeah, I think what's unique and maybe you're hearing this and what Marisa's saying about her program is like she brings a lot of personality and pizzazz and it makes it really fun 
actually to learn how to write copy. And just to say, I, I have some disappointing news for you based on the, the astrology, which is you're not a Leo. It's shocking. This is a sidereal zodiac. So it's actually what is happening in the sky. It's not based on the seasons changing. It's not based on like the the equinox. So your rising sign is is Virgo. However, the ruler of Virgo is Mercury and Mercury is in Leo. So that may be where that Leo piece comes in. Also, just having three planets in the 11th house is that's like all about people, community building, and they're like really sweet planets too. It's the moon and Venus and the sun, you know, so, but that is cancer. So your son's actually in cancer, according to what? the system. What I does know. this even mean? So why do they tell me it's Leo <laughs> for my birthday? Why? Because the Western astrology uses a tropical zodiac and they're about 24 degrees different. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. So I'm really a cancer? You're really a cancer. Yeah. And you're in your moon period and it's in cancer. So that also activates cancer. So, you know, just something to think about. So should I start read, reading cancer like now? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Pause. So should I yes. be like reading cancer now? Read it and check it out. Yeah. But that's a Western astrology approach is to really focus on the sun. And this is like much more detailed. We can look at, for example, you have a lot of emphasis in your chart around making money, generating funds, and also raising money for charity, which is something I want to talk to you about. Like that actually has benefited you through talking about those things. It's allowed your launches to get bigger, you know, because of that because you're spreading your money karma wider. You know what I'm saying? Cool. So we can see things like that in the chart. That's Damn, I cool. didn't even know. I didn't even know. Okay. I like this. Yeah. So maybe this is kind of a non sequitur, but let's talk about copy and why it's so important because I think it gets people think like, oh, I'll just write an email or, oh, you know, I'll just put the words together that I need, but they don't understand like how powerful it is for like magnetizing people and really showing your authentic self. So maybe you can speak a little bit about that. Yeah. So I always say that your business has three basic needs. You have to sell in a way that feels good. Number two, you have to call in the right people to sell to. And number three, you have to know what to say and how to say it so that one and two can happen so that you can call in the right people to sell to in a way that feels good. So that's why that third one is so important. It's like the foundation. So people will say, oh, you know, I'm going to work on this first or, or, or selling or this, and then I'll worry about copy. It's almost like it's like the, the, the icing on the cake. But I always say that copy isn't the icing on the cake. It is the cake. It's like the butter, the gluten-free flour, if you're like me, the, the eggs. It's how those other things happen. So when we can communicate clearly what we do, how we do it, that's going to make those other two basic needs a heck of a lot. I'll never say it's easy to run a business. There's days where I'm like, whose idea was this? <laughs> but a lot simpler to be able to connect the dots and guide people so you don't feel like things are so forced. And that's what copy gives you. It gives you a clear way to talk about what you do to make that very clear. And also because people make purchasing decisions based on two things. One is what you're selling, something that I want. That's why you have to know what to say. You have to make sure that's really clear for people. And number two, are you the person that I want to do it with? Which is why writing those emails or connecting with your people and adding bits of your personality in or sharing certain elements, this really helps people make the best decision for them. It's actually one of the best things you can do if you're somebody who's really, which I know your listeners are, client-focused. Like You really care about what happens to those people. So being able to guide them and making the best decision for them by being really clear how you help them for them to see glimpses of your values, your personality, so that when they make that purchase, they feel really confident that they've chosen a great person for them, which makes your time with them better. They delivers on the ROI that's promised. And we're just creating a better ecosystem in this online world. And so copy is just that powerful foundation that helps you do that. Yeah, it's almost like the chariot. It's like carrying all the messaging to the people in this, you know, it has to be in a form. <laughs> and so the words are these powerful ways of positioning yourself in the marketplace so that you really stand out, like you say, and then also so that people get to know you so they know what it is that you do really clearly that you're very clearly niched. Yeah, it's been so powerful just connecting with you and kind of getting a better sense of how to do that. I love writing. We have that in common. It's so fun for me. But it's nice to get another perspective. 
And so even if you don't love writing, Maurice is very good at helping you get another perspective on how to do it with more ease. And also, I think we forget like what we're doing right now is copy. So there's people who come into the program who don't like writing and end up liking writing by the end. Or people who find, you know, we've had people who uh, one of our people, Sheila shared, it took her like over a week to write one email. And she was able to cut that writing time down to like write that email in like 40 minutes instead, just like a game changer in terms of time. You know, one of our people, Jenny, she was able to write her sales page in three hours, which is like a game changer. So being able to kind of cut that time in half or people who don't end up liking writing, but understand that there's so many ways you're constantly communicating about your business. And so maybe you end up making your emails, sends people to like a video or sends people to audio or your main place becomes your podcast or whatever it is. That's still copy. So that communication is still the foundation. So that's also something that we talk about is uncovering. And that for in the first module, when we talk about your copy star is also talking about what are the best ways that you can show up? Like where is the best place for you to communicate, you know, like the, the copy that you need. And for some people, it might not be written at all but it's still Mm -hmm. copy. It reminds me kind of of cooking. You know, I get into these ruts where I'm like cooking the same thing or I get, I'm like, ah, I don't even know. I have stuff in my fridge and I don't know what to make. And I pull out a recipe book. That's how I feel also. Cause I'll go back and revisit some of the stuff that's inside the society. And I'll be like, oh, would Marisa do in this situation with this kind of copy, you know? And then you have like a little recipe and it's very inspiring. So you know, that one recipe, I'll cook a recipe and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember why I love to cook. I remember why I love to write. It's very helpful. Because one thing that you do that really inspires me is you've built giving back into your business model. So it's not just, you know, that you're doing awesome work for your clients. It's that you're actually, you've raised like over a hundred thousand dollars, right? For charities. Yeah. You know, going back to me as the actor, I remember like, I just kept thinking, okay, one day when I'm like established, I can, you know, raise awareness for things that I want to raise awareness for. So, you know, I was raised by a single mom. You know, my dad died when I was two. So my mom was a, a widower. My, she, my mom didn't remarry. There wasn't, I always joke and I say, if my mom ever had a boyfriend, I would like, even to this day, I mean, I wish she would, <laughs> but I would fall off my chair at this point. She's 72. And I would literally be like, what? Um, But you know, my mom was a true, true single mom. And she was director of senior programs for the city of Syracuse, New York for over 25 years. And the main place that she ran was this center was the senior citizen center in downtown Syracuse, which was named after a a pretty prominent Syracuse and her name was Ida. So that's called the Ida Benderson Center. It's named after her. But where the center was placed was literally in downtown Syracuse. So it wasn't like your typical kind of grandmas that were there to play bingo. These were a lot of people that seniors that were homeless, that were vets of the Korean War, of the Vietnam, even people that weren't yet senior citizens, but were struggling with drug and alcohol addiction from the Vietnam War. And so the center really became almost like a day shelter. It was a very different vibe of any other center that you would walk in. And this was my mom's. This was the main hub. This was the center. And this is where I grew up. This is where I spent every weekend of my life, every snow day, every holiday. And so watching my mom, I always wanted to be able to kind of give back to the different things that I saw, whether it was what I saw from like my mom explained to me, like what certain vets were going through that kind of came through the door. My mom was essentially explaining to me like what PTSD was, you know, and what they were experiencing or what the homeless population was going through or the different people. There was a man that would come into the center all the time that my mom loved to was a member of the LGBTQ plus community, really didn't have like a family that accepted him. And my mom like took care of him up until the literally the day he died. And he was like, if I had ever had a child, I would want it to be you. Like my mom was with him when he died at this place called Francis House. And so that is what I knew. So I was like, okay, well, that's what I want to do once I'm an actor. I want to be able to like establish this thing. Then I was kind of waiting around. So when I had the business, I realized, okay, I could actually do this and give back. So that's where off of the copy chat, it's free to listen into the copy chat, but you can upgrade and get access to the interviews, which people want because they're really helpful and beneficial. And we, we add some bonuses in there. And that's how we started raising money where we started, we're able each season of the copy chat, we were raising like over $10,000 for different organizations. And then I started giving 5% of our total sales from the Copy Confidence Society. And just we just kept doing these givebacks. And so we've given now over six figures to organizations like Soul Fire Farm, which gives land back to black and brown growers, which I know is an organization that you love, Paula. 
Sage USA, which provides services and advocacy for LGBTQ plus elders, which I tell the story of Francis, of this man that my mom took care of. He died at a place called Francis House, but his name was also Francis. And so I tell this story about him at the Ida Benderson Center and what life was like there. Um, and we've also donated to the Headstrong Project, which supports military vets with the mental health care that they need and deserve for things like PTSD and sexual trauma in the military and traumatic brain injury. So we've been able in these small ways to really make a dent, especially I know we like we're still in the pandemic. Sometimes I'm like, aren't we still in the pandemic? But like in this post-pandemic world, like fundraising has changed. Like especially when we were doing this in 2020 and 2021, when people like had to cancel galas and they just weren't, we were able to like say, Hey, here's $13,000 that was raised by, and people would be emailing like, who are you? <laughs> What's going on? And I'm like, yeah, we're, this is, here you go. Here's $13,000 from, and it isn't just me. It's, it's from the community. And that was what was big for me because that's what I saw my mom do. That when you want to be what we call in our community, like an intentional icon that it's you're not born with it. Although I think my mom might have been born with it. But I don't know. I think she's an Aries. So I don't know. You have to tell me I have no idea who the hell anyone is now that you like drop this bomb, Paula. But I think my mom is an Aries. I know. I'm worried about you. You're gonna be like sitting up tonight. I'm like, going, what is my life? My mom was born April 11th. So you can let me know. But you're not born with it. It's not and it's not even self made that it's community made. That to be an, an intentional icon in your is community made. The copy chat, and we're talking about an upgrade that's anywhere from $27 to $57. Really just bringing the community and creating this ripple effect that you can put your money where your beliefs are and you can still have a really great profit margin like we do and make a great, you know, a shit ton of money and do really well and also give back. And that's just something we continue to do. It's my goal to give, I mean, it's my goal to give a million dollars, but my first big goal was could I give, you know, I had been in $178,000 of student loan debt. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, what if I could give away $178,000? So we're almost there. We're almost there. I know. We have $78,000 more to go. And it's cool. You know, it's like, okay, you know, that gave me, made me more jazz to put a dent in my student loan than just thinking about continuing to pay the federal government. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So this kind of dovetails too with like, you know, you're very vocal in your business about what your values are and who you support. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, because I think sometimes people are, I don't know if they're shy or (laughs) oblivious, because I can't tell sometimes, like, just seems like they just don't want to say anything that may offend someone in their business. And I actually am attracted to the entrepreneurs who do speak out. And those are the ones that I want to support. And that's because those are my values. And I, I also want to be really clear what I stand for. So where, where did that come from for you? And like, you know, has it been a journey? Has it been difficult to start doing that? Or was it just like clear? You just started to do it. This is such a great question. I don't know this whole podcast, this interview is going to be about my mom, but it is, I guess. So this is my, my mom, 150,000%. Like I just grew up with somebody and my mom isn't like super... I would say I'm much... No, I'm a little bit more bombastic than my mom. But like, it was just how I grew up. I remember listening to Melissa Etheridge. And I was obsessed with Melissa Etheridge. like my favorite growing up. Like, I I remember being like, what is this voice? Like, I was just into it. And I remember my mom telling me that Melissa Etheridge was singing about like a woman. And that's how my mom like explained. I was like, okay, this is is her life. This is her work. This is the center that she ran. So she was also educated by the people that came through her door as well. That taught her. There was a a woman who used to come to the center who had the numbers on her. She had been in Auschwitz. And she was explaining... So my mom, you know, or, or people of color coming in and saying, this was what my experience has been. So that I think was really informed my mom as a, as a white straight woman, like, okay, you know, is, is how she was going to show up and how she was going to raise me. And, and, and I would be interested to ask her where that came from. I think that part of it comes from my grandfather and what my grandparents, what my grandfather experienced because he was considered disabled because of something that happened with his legs. And he had to go to a, like a special school as a kid in like the 1930s and like really learn. And I think, you know, I think it gets passed on. So I think that definitely was big for me. And I think I was, oh, but here's the thing. I think I was talking about it. Like if you join my program, I was talking about, so I was never like shying away, but I wasn't making it like the forefront. And I think that's probably my own privilege or just not feeling like I had, you know, if someone came to me, like, yeah, of course I feel that way. But it wasn't like outwards in my materials, if that makes sense. And I think like a lot of white women, when 2020 happened and things happen, I recognize like, oh, I have to 
be that has to, you know, they can't just be, oh yeah, once you're inside. And the, it had to be outward. And so I started that journey of being better. When you know better, you you do better and putting it on the like the materials as well to be like, hey, this is a, you know, put making sure that it was on the sales pages, making sure that it was in all the places where when people are making purchasing decisions, they felt that. And then of course backing it up when they got in the inside. I'm sure and I know I've made mistakes. Like that's why I always say like the journey to do this it's not a race. I don't even think it's a marathon. Like there isn't an end. You just commit that you are going to strive to build that you're going to give a shit about what you put out into the world and, and the people that you invite in. And so I really try to continue to make sure that like what we say we stand for, you see on the in, you see on the inside of the community as well. What kind of tips would you give for somebody who wants to be more vocal about what they believe in their business and or build giving back in? Like what would be your tips for yeah. those two things? So I think being more vocal in what you believe in, I think, you know, really investing in a leader that you trust that this is their area of expertise when it comes to when it comes to DEI, when it comes to like really trusting a person who's had that lived experience and being able to invest in them and like give them money and uncover what your plan is going to be for you. I think sometimes we try to like piecemeal it together. And I think we all start somewhere, of course, of course. But I think that's going to likely give you that more confidence and have that safety net to land in when you're like, hey, how do I talk about this? Or this is important to me. How do I word this? And you have somebody that can that can guide you. And then the give back, you know, really, you know, starting small. I tell people, okay, let's say you have your private clients, you work with private clients, you know, your roster, letting your clients know that you give a portion back to X or maybe together with your clients, your group of like one-to-one, you send an email to them together and together y'all pick a place to donate to kind of each, you know, whatever, each year you say, you know, you're my private clients. Thank you so much for being here. And together I want us to do, we're going to donate X amount from all our work together. And I'd love for you to help me pick this place. Or even looking at saying for every person you work with, maybe then you donate your your time and your energy to an organization as well. There's a lot of ways that don't necessarily have to be financial as well that you can kind of donate to or work with with someone to figure that out too. Yeah, it's so it's just so powerful, even just kind of loaning your platform and talking about things and sharing, you know, it just brings more awareness. And so you've been such an inspiration on that. So thank you for for all that you do. So I'm curious what you would say it means to you to live in your purpose. This is really kind of the theme of this podcast, why we talk about the astrology a little bit. Well, now I don't even know what my purpose is because I'm a different... I'm like, is my am I living in my purpose? I don't even know. I don't even know who I am today. I'm like, oh my well, gosh. Let me say, because you're ruled by Mercury, Mercury is the planet of communication. You know, So it, it makes sense to me that that would be a really important part of your chart that as a person who really deals with words... You know, it makes sense. Um, and then also the community building piece is so big in your chart. It's like, and community and money come in in the same place. It's kind of interesting. So you're building a community, but that also generates funds for you. So I would say cool. you are living in, in your, your purpose. purpose. Okay, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, I always wanted to have a community. Again, it was what I thought like acting was going to give me, but I wanted a way to like talk about what I believe in, to talk about the things that I love, to have a community of people that were, you know, also taking action, that were listening. And I feel like the company, the business that I've created has given that to me. That feels really powerful to see in action and to watch that then ricochet for other people to then go build their communities, which is great. And also because you say from that money making place, like, I was somebody who, you know, I watched my mother, I watched my grandmother struggle with money. I watched my mother struggle with money. And I had found myself on that same pattern. And it was like, I knew that there was something else that was meant for me. And I couldn't figure out what that was until the fall of 2018 when I created the copy chat. But I feel like making money sometimes gets like a bad rap, but it's given me so much choice and being able to take care of my mom. You know, when my mom turned 70, we like went on this big Florida trip that we, my husband, we were able to pay for. You know, I was able to become the kind of sole 
or the financial provider for our family so that my husband could stop working like this soul sucking job he didn't love and like find what his purpose is, which is taking care of our family in a way that is just so like, I can do it. He's mm-hmm. so, and I, I think he's a Leo. I mean, he's as all I know, he's a Leo. I'm a Leo, married to Leo, but no, I'm not a Leo, married to a Leo, but he's a Leo. And it's like finding what he was good. So watching him be happy and thriving and keeping us on track and doing all the finances for us and like falling in love with that process. And yeah, being able to like get laser hair removal on my chin. <laughs> And not have to choose between that, you know what I mean? And still give $100,000 to charity. Like, it just feels like you have so much choice to, from that and, you know, give spontaneously, like, you know, with my friends and stuff. Like, if we go out to eat, like, I want to be able to be like, no, I I got this. This is on me. That's always been something uh, my financial coach, Amber Duggar, who I know you know and love, Paula, she called this like our spontaneous generosity, like bucket. And I'm like, yes, I just want to be able to be like, here. This is for you. This is for you, you know? And so that feels like I'm living in that, that purpose. Every time I see people thriving in the community, we're like getting ready for another give back and I'm getting some sort of skin treatment that's like <laughs> going really well, you know? <laughs> and I now have yeah. a hairless chin and it's incredible. You do talk about this a lot, like being Italian American and having skin hair, oh, like hair removal. Paul, you have no idea. I started it last year. I don't know why I waited. I'm telling you, I'm feeling it right now. It's like smooth city and it's changed my skin. My skin doesn't break out in that area anymore because I'm not constantly like doing it. So it's just like these little things that have remind me like, oh, by creating my own stage and doing it, I got to create all of the things that I actually really wanted from acting. There's only a few times that I miss, like last year, like one time last year, I was like, oh, I, there was like a TV show that I was like, oh, I kind of miss acting when I see like something that, but that's really it. It's so fascinating. I feel sometimes like we are acting, you know, not in a bad way. Like we're not trying to be a different person, but but we have to like get prepared to be visible and like show up and be in a good mood and like deliver, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. We talk about this in the society, like your copy star, like uncovering what your copy star is and like, how does that inform how you show up a hundred percent? And I often have to remind like, you know, it is, it is, it definitely is. Um, when I do the, like the, the masterclass that we do, I always joke with Eric. It's like, that's like my one woman. That's like my comedy hour. Mm-hmm. It's like my show. <laughs> that's like right. my, my flea bag. That's like my one woman. And I love it. And we do it live. And I ne- it's never pre-recorded. It's always live with me. And I could do it every day. I could wake up every day and do it. And I love it. Oh, well, there's going to be a link in the show notes because you're going to be doing that soon. Yeah. So people can sign it's up, coming and, up and go to your one woman show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, will help your business. It's, it's a one woman show with a purpose. I wanted to mention too, because you mentioned Amber, like, and her work, and we can put her in the show notes as well. Like, she's a financial coach, but she also has helped me really organize my finances in a way better way than I had them organized. I was trying 100%. my best. Yep. <laughs> she took it to the next level. She takes it so to I'm the curious, next level. Like, when I look at your chart, you know, Saturn is a really big part of your finances, and Saturn is about constriction and kind of discomfort and forcing you to do things that you need to do and and unlocking that, like working with Amber, I can really see in your chart how that would unlock the flow. Like it would even increase, you know, what was possible for you financially by being that specific and getting into the details and like really working on that stuff. So I don't know if you want to talk about that, but like I teach my clients to get into their numbers and like figure out what their expenses are and be really clear about that so that they can generate more money, you know, and it's proven time and again. I couldn't agree more. It was the most wild when we started working with Amber. So this is where I always joke and I say that Amber, Eric and I were so connected on everything, but we had such a disconnect around money. We just were not raised the same way around money. Eric was raised with two parents. They had money. He didn't have to worry. And I was over here like, that wasn't my life. You know what I mean? And so we just had different ways and we kind of just didn't, we just like avoided it until the business started making money. And we were like, well, what the hell do we do? And that's where Amber came in. But I did it together with Eric and Eric like caught on right away. Like he got it. He loved it. So I have to say a lot of it is because of Eric. I was probably like, it took me a lot longer to like get into it. But once I'll never forget, we like did the first thing where we just, I just needed to know like what the number was, you know, when Amber makes you go through and like decide what the number is. And that night when we figured it out, Eric and I went to eat at this restaurant called Soto Soto in Atlanta. And I was just spent like emotionally. I felt 
spent. I was like, oh my gosh, this number and this is how we get here. This is how much we're spending. And I was like, oh my God. And then we saw Ralph Macchio from The Karate Kid eating that <laughs> night in Soto Soto. <laughs> and I took it as a sign that I was like, it's going to be okay. There's Ralph Macchio right here. I didn't know at the time he was filming Cobra Kai uh-huh. before Cobra Kai came out. And I was like, oh my God, that's Ralph Macchio. And we were like, what the hell? And that was like the beginning of the journey. And it unlocked everything for me. The minute I saw that number and got over whatever that like mini anxiety I had, I was like, all right, once I could see it, I could do it. And it didn't happen overnight. Like we were still not hitting our numbers for, gosh, Eric would know more than me, but probably like eight months. Like it, and then all of a sudden it was like, really, then we had this launch like in 2020 and it was like, okay, we started to hit it. We started to be in the green. Okay. Now we're doing it. We're doing it. So it was definitely this process that I know we would not have been able to do without Amber. But I think the biggest thing is, I can't speak for Eric, but like what it did for for Eric and to watch him really be so great at something and thrive and like create the buckets. And sometimes they'll tell me, oh, yeah, I started creating a bucket for that for just when you want to take people out to dinner. (laughs) For just when you want to just like flash money around and take people out to dinner. He's like, so there's a bucket for that now. (laughs) Like, And I was like, great. You know, like he's just so good at it. And it just took that anvil off of my chest. I'll be honest. I still... Eric is definitely better at it than me. And Amber still sometimes has to remind me to like spend money on myself. Like I bought a pair of Versace earrings for myself this summer. And I like couldn't believe I did it. Like I'll do stuff for my skin and stuff just because, I, you know, but like to go buy something like that was like a I don't know, like clothes or jewelry or something like that. That's not usually my thing, if that makes sense. So I ordered those earrings and I was like, holy shit, I really just did this. And I wear them every day and I'm glad that I did. It's just like getting me. It's funny that you say that that's in my chart because I definitely have struggled with that. Con- not giving it away to other people, but giving it to myself. I'm like, well, do I really need that? I don't know. Your Saturn is super strong. So the potential is there to figure out how to digest this intense energy of detail orientedness and pressure <laughs> and constriction to try to figure out on the other side of that is like a lot of benefit, you know, to do that work. So that's the that's Saturn. He just delays things. He doesn't deny it. He just creates this kind of maze you have to go through to get to it <laughs> on the other yes, side. Yes, I feel that. I feel that for sure. But definitely I would not be where we are if we didn't do that work with Amber and get so clear on what was the buckets? What's the money going towards? Why are we doing it? What is the number? And once I could see that, I could then put on the show and do what I needed to do to get there and deliver and create the community and do all of that. Mm. Well, I have some rapid fire questions for you if you're down. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you've had that has really helped you in your life? I would definitely probably say that my grandma, I don't even know if I like still... But my mom and my grandma used to always have this thing that they would say, which is like, yeah, like peace isn't the absence of trouble, but the presence of God is the quote. So not necessarily God and like, you know, my family was Catholic, like the religious sense, but like that there is this thing that's guiding you that especially after the year I had last year, it's like, it's not always going to be the absence of trouble, but the presence of like something higher than yourself that you believe in. Or even like the love of the people around you. Like I just saw people rally around me in a way that was just that presence of God. That wasn't like God, you know, but that presence that I was like, oh. So I always remind myself. And that was my high school yearbook quote, by the way. So we're bringing it back uh, 20 years ago. And that was my high school, high school yearbook quote. So it was like, I always remember my grandparents and my mom saying that. And so that's something I always have to... That has really helped me to remember. Because especially running a business... So I was back at my desk yesterday and like three things. I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Happy New Year. And then it's just like, yeah, this is how it is. And so just having that strong community around you and presence of the other things that keep you going. This leads me into my next question, which is when you feel anxious, confused, or frustrated, what is the first thing you do to ground yourself? I have to talk about it. Like I got to get out of where I am and go talk to Eric. I got to call my mom. I call my friend Tal a lot. She's like this... like. She's a relationship coach. She's incredible for, you know, women after like breakups and heart and, and heartbreak. She has this incredible program called uh, the Breakup to Badass Formula. So Tao will like redirect me in a way, you know? My friend Elika is really amazing at, at doing the same. And like, so I got to talk it out. I can't be in my cave. If I'm left alone, that ain't good. 
I really should never be alone other than to like shower. And even then like come in and talk to me. I'm like, let's have a conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is your favorite hot beverage? Uh, Earl Grey tea. That's what I drink every day. heard you talk about every that day. in your emails. Yeah. Every day I drink Earl Grey tea. What about your last meal on earth? My gosh, my last meal on earth. <laughs> what would be my last meal on earth? My gosh. Um, probably dinosaur barbecue, which is in Syracuse, New York. I had my bridal shower there. Okay. So I'd want some dinosaur. I, definitely the coleslaw from Dino. It's like incredible. But just <laughs> okay. like a rib plate from Dino with like the coleslaw, the baked beans, the deviled eggs, like the whole mm-hmm. Dino experience. Um, so do you have a morning routine and if what part is non-negotiable aside from waking up? <laughs> yeah, I have to leave this house immediately and go on a walk. I have to get out of here. Um, so this is something I started doing when the pandemic hit and I realized, oh my gosh, this is like critical for me. Once I let go of the fact that I wasn't going to be like the super early rise, you know, these people that get up before the sun, you know, like these Mark Wahlberg's and they're like throwing eggs back like Gaston and like, you know, by by the time the sun has come up, they've done all these things. And I thought, oh, that's what you need to do to be successful. It's just not me. I don't know if that's in my chart, but like I I'm not going to get up if there isn't like some sun coming through the window. So I let go of that. I let go of the alarm. So when I get up, the first thing I do, I have my clothes set out. I put on my clothes and I go for a walk. I listen to a podcast and I do it in all weather unless it's raining. Like even if it's super cold, I have all my gear to do it. Um, I go up to the coffee shop, I get my Earl Grey tea and I walk back and it takes me about 45 minutes, like to an hour. And I do that every morning unless it's raining. And that is a non-negotiable. I love that. I would love to have somewhere I could walk to. I live in rural Maine. So <laughs> I, know, I walk I know. down to my kitchen and get my tea and then I go for a walk with my dog. <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah, too. And I kind of had to create it because like when we lived in New York City, obviously, there was so much. So I mean, I still have like it's a neighborhood for, you know, for sure. So there is a place, but just I kind of just started to create my own path when I started walking and turned it into this the same walk that we do. And now in the afternoon, I usually do that walk again with Eric. So I do it once by myself and later in the day with him. I love that. That's really sweet. Um, So tell us about a person who inspires you and why. I mean, obviously, we talked so much about my mom, which I was like, I didn't even (laughs) plan to talk about my mom. I would definitely say, I mean, I guess I have to say my mom, not have to like, oh, my gosh. But like, I think that that I didn't even realize. And I mean, I guess I did realize. But as we were talking today, so much of the things are influenced by uh, the way that she's lived her life and the way that I've watched her with with people. She used to have that George Washington Carver quote, which now I'm going to like butcher, but it's like how you are like judge is, you know, how you treat like, I have to find, I'm going to butcher this, but like how you treat, it was just being her office, like how you treat the young, how you, you know, when, how you treat older people, like it was like all the levels of life. Cause at one point of your life, you've been all of those things. And that was like what used to hang in her office. And I feel like I watch her do that throughout you know, when I came into the world when she was in her 30s and watching her all the way now to being in her 70s, like I see her live that out. So what's something that people might not know about you? Oh my God, I feel like everyone knows everything about me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do people not know about me? I think I do share this, but like I can listen to like all types of music. Like I will be listening to like Michael Bolton and then turn around and listen to like Mozart's Requiem. And the next thing on the playlist will be like Beyonce. And then it'll be Jason Isbell. And then it'll be Tony Braxton. Like I truly will listen to like, like my playlist or like what chaos is this? (laughs) There's no like, you know what I mean? And I'll go through themes. Like, you know, last year I love Florence and the Machine. So last Florence and the Machine album, that was like my most listened to thing. But then I'll go into these phases. But I I know a lot about different types of music. I think people don't. And I'm also really, really great at doing like a rap song for karaoke. That's always my go-to. Because when you grow up with a bunch of incredible singers, like how are you going to stand out in karaoke? When you're like with Broadway level people, you're like, well, Mm -hmm. I could sing or I could, you know, rap to Jay-Z's Hova and really just like do a little mic drop moment here for everyone. (laughs) I rapped at my wedding to Will Smith's Men in Black at my wedding dress. There's a lot of gems in there. I feel like you could write emails about all these things. Yeah, I, ha- I have. I actually pitched somebody for the copy chat and shared the video of me rapping to Will Smith's one in Men in Black because she said she loved Will Smith. She was like a big fan. This is like back in 2018. And so I said, you know, me too. And I literally sent her the, vi- the like 30 second, second clip of me. So she didn't know who the hell I was. And in her inbox was a video of me <laughs> rapping to Will Smith's Men in Black in my wedding dress. And she was like, who is this person? 
and came on the copy chat and was on it on season one. I think it's good just to point out here that these kinds of things are really great ways to break the ice when you don't know somebody and also like give them a sense of who you are. And you do that so well. So like, go learn from Marisa. (laughs) So my next question is, what are you reading right now? And I know you're a big reader. So maybe you can share if not just what you're reading now, but like your favorite book that you read recently. Yeah, so I read 39 books in 2022. And my top faves of that uh, was Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I absolutely loved. I really, really love this book called The Cartographers by Peng Shepard. Like it really made me want to like be a cartographer and like have maps all over my house. It was the coolest. Those were like two of my favorites from last year. It was hard because last year there was, I liked so many. I liked so many books, but those were like two of my favorites. And I'm just waiting for my two new books to come in from Book of the Month. And one of them is uh, Lessons in Chemistry, which I've heard a lot of people talk about. So that's in my... It should be coming today, I think. So how... I have to ask, how do you read that many books? Do you schedule time in your day that's just like you sitting with the book? Or is it at night? I read at night before I go to bed. So I make it a point to like walk away from the TV like go into the bedroom, like, you know, get my, you know, do my skincare regimen, you know, as you can imagine, there's many steps and, you know, put my retainer in, do all my stuff. And then I get into (laughs) bed and then I have my reading time. Then it really established because last year I really realized like how much I was scrolling for no reason. Mm. Social media, I'm not against like, it's such an incredible tool and I love it. But I was just scrolling and Eric would say like my face would change. (laughs) And it was like, just that is like, if you tell me that I would be like, I'm listening. (laughs) Yeah, it was like my face is I was like, okay, so I got to figure this out. So I got a subscription to the New York Times so that in the morning, instead of scrolling Facebook and stuff, I would read the New York Times. So I started doing the mini crossword in the morning. I do the spelling bee. I read like two articles in the New York Times. I get up, I take my walk. So that really helped me in the morning. But I was finding that like when it was time to go to bed, I need like that routine. And I read a lot in New York City because, you know, when you commute in the city, you're on the subway all the time. But here I found my reading like go down to nothing. So I joined Book of the Month in 2021, just saying, I'm just going to read one book a month. That's what I said. I'm like, I just want to read, you know, and what I loved about Book of the Month is they send you like five to seven books. You pick which one it comes to your house, like all the things to just help me not have to make choices, just like pick and do it. And then I read 33 books in 2021. And then I read 39 this year. So really, it just, I think at night. And then there are times where before I'll turn on the TV, like if Eric's making dinner, before I do that, I'll read a little bit first. And it helps me separate and get out of this office too. To be like, okay, there's nothing more I need. Everyone's fine. Everyone's (laughs) going to be fine. (laughs) I can leave here, turn off the light and go read a little bit of my book. Totally. What is one thing that's bringing you joy in your life right now? As you know, Paula, I had breast cancer last year in 2022. I think something that's bringing me joy in my life right now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go out on the limb like and say cancer is a gift, okay? Because I understand what cancer does to people and does to families and does to people. But for me, I am, I am cancer-free now. And it has really lit a fire under my butt to really make sure that I am... I've done a lot of work financially, done a lot of work you know, okay, the social media, okay, let's read more like those things. But really making sure that like, nutrition and what I'm putting into my body, I have been privileged that I haven't struggled like with my weight. I've always been a thin, you know, a thin woman. Um, And so being cancer free now and wanting to stay that way, it is actually bringing me joy to like do the work to like, uncover better foods and things for for myself. And I hired a health coach to help me do that. That specifically supports people after a cancer diagnosis. And oddly enough, it has, it, it is bringing me joy and giving me like a, a per, that ticket to like, just treat myself better. I feel like I got really lucky and blessed to not have had cancer be what is what I've seen other people go through. And so I'm like, okay, well, I better treat myself good and keep it, keep it that way if I can. So I find a lot of joy in like uncovering like the better foods and doing that work where I don't know Mm -hmm. if I would have done that without the cancer diagnosis is basically what I'm saying. So it's not that it's a gift, but it brought you some new insight. (laughs) Yes, it really Mm -hmm. did. I mean, this is a whole other episode. I mean, there's things that I just was like, I say like, I'm just not going to do anymore. Like post that. I'm just like, "Mm -mm, no, 
I'm good, which I don't think I was able to do before. And one of those is definitely like how I'm eating or things. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been so nice talking to you. Can you share a little bit about how people can connect with you? And we will have the links in the show notes and everything, you know, but like where they can find you on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere that you want to share. Yeah. So we talked about the Leave and One More Masterclass, which is coming back. We offer it two times a year. It is not pre-recorded. I say it's like Broadway. It is live with me. There are four dates and times that you can choose from depending on your you know, schedule and where you are in the world. And this is really uh, the blueprint of how do you write copy with creativity and chutzpah. So we're going to talk about how do you create a very clear message that positions you as a specialist in a sea of generalists. We talk about the copy stars. How do you uncover what your copy star is or a combo? And we really put that together so that you kind of have that blueprint of what it looks like to be a more courageous and confident communicator in your business. It's like I said, it's live with me. You can ask me. I'd stay on and answer all of your questions. Um, And I also will give you an opportunity to join the Copy Confident Society then too, as the doors to the society only open twice a year. So we talk about the society in there as well. And it's just a blast. It's so fun. We have people from all over the world. And I drink a glass of red wine if you come to the nighttime one, my time, which somebody... (laughs) I was on another podcast where the host told me, Paula, that a person that she knew joined the society... Because they loved the class. They loved me. But they said that when they saw me drinking a glass of red wine on the class, they were like, I have to join this. <laughs> and I was like, great. Thank you. Um, so we do. We have a lot of fun. Like I answer all of your questions. And I think whether or not you choose to be part of the society, I know that you will walk away thinking about your copy in a different way. Like we talk about messaging according to the Ghostbusters. We're talking about, you know, the copy stars. There's a lot of like those fun elements that I think will really be a nice, like, you know, as you're thinking about 2023 and and how you want to show up, I think it'll give you a lot of ideas and insights. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here and for sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I also would say like, uh, you know, I, I do love Instagram and if you DM me and IG, like I will respond to you. So if there's something that stood out today or something that you, you liked or resonated with you, like, please like share it with me. I will definitely, I always make it a point to respond. We'll include that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Marisa, for your time. Thanks, Paula. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantuladesma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day, and we will connect soon on a future episode. Mm-hmm.